a reading from the book of 2 Kings. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Now the Syrians, on one of their raids, had carried off a little maid from the land of Israel, and she waited on Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, would that, the Lord, would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his Lord. Thus and so spoke the maiden from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him ten talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, 10 festal garments. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you Naaman, my servant, and that you may cure him, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man uh, of his with leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel rent his clothes and sent to the, uh, he sent to the king saying, why have you rent your clothes? Let him come now to me that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and halted at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry. He went away, saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to, to me and stand and call on the name of, his uh, of the Lord his God and wave his handle over the place and cure the leopard. Are not uh, Abana and, and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. But his servant came near and said to him, My father, if the prophet had commanded you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much rather than when he says to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Then he returned to the man of God. He and all his company, and he came and stood before him, and he said, Behold, I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel, so accept now a present from your servant. But he said, As the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. Then Naaman said, If not, I pray you, let there be given to your servant two mules burdens, burden of the earth. For henceforth, your servant 
will not offer burnt offerings or sacrifice to any God but the Lord. The word of the Lord. So what, there is this great, powerful army general, Naaman. He was a really powerful man who had killed a lot of people, actually. I don't know exactly how many, but a lot with his sword, which is kind of gruesome if you think about it. Don't think about it, Henry. He's an enemy. He's kidnapped their children. He's won many battles against him, and he's very famous for all this mighty valor. But he has a problem. It's a problem with his skin. It's all flaky and peely and swollen and oozy. He has leprosy. And usually, if you were a leper back in those days, um, you lived apart from everybody else, and you couldn't get a job, and no one wanted to be around you. But somehow, even though he's a leper, he's a famous army general. So I'm thinking that he must have had some way to disguise his skin. I'm thinking maybe a cape and a mask. And he wore those in battle, and even when he was at the king's house eating dinner. But when he got home, he'd throw off them. He'd throw off the cape and the mask because they were so uncomfortable. And he'd stretch on his couch with just his shorts on, and he'd relax. And that's how it happened that one day this little girl who had been captured from Israel to be a maid in his house saw him as he really was without his mask, with all his flaky, peeling, swollen skin and big white scabs all over his body. And she was shocked and a little bit grossed out. So even though she was supposed to be quiet most of the time and that's what she was taught to do, she couldn't help it, she spoke out. She probably felt a little sorry for him. So she calls to her mistress and she says, would that my Lord were with the prophet of my country, he would heal him of his leprosy. And this is very surprising because he's just a little girl, but everyone listens to her. This little girl says, go to Israel, and suddenly everyone's packing up the horses and the chariots. Naaman puts his mask and cape back on, and he rushes out um, to the king of his country, and he says, you know, I need help. And the king says, I don't know, this seems a little weird this, and a little bit rash, but I'll write a letter to the king of Israel, our enemy, saying that you're coming to sort this thing out about your skin. Whatever, Naaman. And so they load up the chariots with gifts, 6,000 shekels of gold and 10 festal garments. I don't know what those are but they're off. And it's days and days riding on the horses and they're finally rounding the bend to the king of Israel's palace. And the king glances out his window and he sees his enemy right there and he feels like he's going to vomit. He is so afraid. He runs upstairs and he runs downstairs and he can't fight his sword and he puts his head in his hands. But then he pulls it all together to answer the door. And he's handed a letter from the king, the enemy king. And he unfolds it, and his hands are shaking, and he's sweating, and he reads it, and it says, when this letter reaches you, 
Know that I have sent my man Naaman to you, that you may cure him of his leprosy. He does a little nod and tries to look casual and says, just a minute, I'm going to go back inside. And he goes in and he closes the door and he goes nuts. He starts ripping his clothes and punching the walls and screaming at his servants. He's like, I, am I God? How am I going to cure him of his leprosy? They know I can't cure him of his leprosy. They're picking a fight with me. They are trying to start a war. And he throws himself on the floor. And he's like, I'm no, no fool. That army general doesn't even have a skin problem. But he actually is a little bit of a fool. Because he has no idea that this really isn't about war and politics. He sees this really terrible threat. But really, it's just a man who needs healing. But so then Elisha the prophet comes in, who sees differently than kings do, sees through politics, sees people maybe, not threats, but people, at least this time. And Elisha looks at the king and he's like, why are you ripping your clothes and shrieking and laying on the ground? Just send Naaman to my house. And so, so Naaman turns the chariots around and the festal garments and the 6,000 shekels of gold, and they make their way to Elisha's house. And when they get there, they like lay out a red carpet. They prepare themselves for a ceremony. They assume there's going to be a ceremony. And the official no do door knocker goes up to officially knock on the door. But Elisha doesn't even come to the door. He sends the boy who worked for him out, and the boy just cracks the door a little and sticks his head out and says, uh, Elisha says that you're supposed to go and wash in the River Jordan seven times. And then he smiles and says, nice cape, and closes the door. Naaman is so angry, he's outraged. He's like, I can't believe it. They are not treating him like a great big famous general. He came all this way with a letter from the king and all this gold and all these festal garments. He expected for the prophet to come out in fancy robes and wave his hands around and say a prayer to his God, a call on the power of his God, but instead a kid comes out and tells him to go take a bath in a river. Naaman stalks off in a rage and he refuses to do it. He refuses to believe that there could be any healing in this ordinary little act, in this muddy little river. But then, and again this is pretty surprising, one of Naaman's servants manages to speak up. He's like, uh, excuse me, but you came all this way. Maybe it won't help, but it couldn't hurt. Why don't you just get into the river? And however unlikely it seems that that little voice from that unnamed servant would be the thing that would get the big enemy sergeant of famous army sergeant, to hear the word of God and listen, somehow it does. And Naaman goes down and he dips himself in the river seven times and his flesh is restored like that of a little baby. He's healed. It wasn't anything fancy that healed him, it was just a bath. Naaman is amazed. He looks at his hands and his arms and he's like, Wow, 
Now I know that there's no God in the whole world except the God of Israel. And he takes his cape and his mask that were folded up on the side of the river and he just throws them in and watches them go away and he's so happy and grateful. And so he takes his chariots and his horses back to Elisha's and he wants to give Elisha all the gold and all the festal garments. But Elisha doesn't want any of that. So Naaman doesn't know what to do. He looks around and he doesn't know how to react and he says, okay, look, you don't want the gold? You don't want the festal garments? How about this? How about you load up two mules full of dirt for me and I'll take it back to my country and I'll put it in my temple and I'll build an altar to your God there. Because from now on, I will worship no God but your God, Yahweh. He's so grateful and he wants to pay God back somehow for healing him, so he makes this promise. But then he imagined what it's like to be back home. He says, of course, no God but Yahweh, except, pardon me for this, but when I go back home and I go into the house of my master's God and the king leans on my arm, so it sort of looks like I'm bowing down to some other God, I really won't be bowing down to that God. It's just that, well, okay, when I go home and I bow down to another God, may the Lord forgive me. He admits he's going to worship another God. One second after he promised he would never do it? Following the logic of the rest of the Book of Kings, which is one long, big rant against anyone bowing down to any other gods. This is the point in the story where you'd expect Naaman to look at his hands and the leprosy would start crawling back up his arms. Or maybe he would burst into flame. Or maybe he'd be killed by the sword like all the other pagan sympathizers in the Book of Kings. I mean, you cannot say, I will serve no other god but Yahweh, and then immediately say, actually, I will. Can you? But this is really the most surprising part of the whole story. Elisha looks at this enemy general who had fought battles against his people, who had been very arrogant and been very scary, who gets healed and makes a promise that he immediately admits he will never keep. And Elisha says, go in peace. That's not just like, goodbye, get out of here. It's a benediction. It means you are entirely embraced by the love of God, go in peace. Mercy doesn't happen that much in the Chronicles of the nations and the kings. But this little story is so full of mercy. You are entirely embraced by the love of God. Do this ordinary little thing. Take a little piece of bread and dip it in some grape juice and let that knowledge go down into your body so that it can feed you and so that you can share it even with your enemies and know that you are loved.